Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Culture Surfing Podcast, where we navigate through the channels of the NBA and hip-hop culture. Today, we are talking strictly NBA basketball, and we have a very special guest. Um, unfortunately, no, he couldn't make it uh, due to uh, his working schedule, but that's all right. We're going to rock one-on-one with someone that I go back with. Uh, I used to write with him at 16 Wins a Ring, and I also used to write for him at the uh, 94 Feet Report. And that's none other than uh, Eric uh, Spropolos. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm lovely, man. I'm excited for this topic. Um, you know, I, I briefly uh, covered the Nuggets, I'd say, for about three or four months. And that was a very interesting time. And I, I learned a lot about that team. Um, and it was just fun to watch Jokic work, uh, obviously. And we saw what they did in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into it, man, because I know you're a busy guy. Uh, so there are a lot of expiring contracts um, for the Denver Nuggets, some being noticeable, noticeable pieces and some, you know, you know, maybe that they're not uh, the Nuggets aren't really pressed on bringing these names back. Uh, but I think the most significant um, person on this list uh, in terms of name and just uh, what he did or what he was supposed to do for the team. And that's Paul Millsap. Uh most notably, uh, his uh, – I forgot which game it was, but it was against the Clippers where uh, Marcus Morris kind of uh, agged them on and they just went on a, a terrific run, which ended up almost playing as a catalyst to the, the epic 3-1 comeback. Um, what's your take on uh, Paul Millsap's um, future with the Nuggets? And I guess just a takeaway from uh, what he did in his time in Denver. Yeah, I mean, I think Millsap was – you know, one of those players where the his value to the team wasn't always reflective in just the traditional stats. Um, this was a guy who came in to Denver, signed in the offseason of 2017, uh, and really brought some uh, some defense to the team that desperately needed it. And so they, you know, they his first year there, he missed half the season or more than half the season, and they didn't improve defensively that much. But then 2018-19 and this past year, they were um, basically a top 15 defense both of those seasons, which of course is you know the level of defense you need to actually win in the playoffs. And in those two years, they obviously did win um, three series across those two playoff runs. And you know, Millsap was already kind of past his prime when he went when he joined the Nuggets, um, but he was still able to bring a lot of that backline defense, protect the rim a little bit, switch a little bit. Um, just a lot of variety in terms of the defense that he could bring. And obviously, offensively, he had to adjust his game to fit next to Nikola Jokic. So he started hitting threes at a higher percentage, started taking a few more of those as well, sometimes serving as a secondary or, or, or tertiary playmaker in the front court um, along either Jokic or Plumley. So he, he obviously brought a lot, and that wasn't even speaking to the stuff he brought in the locker room as a really a true tested veteran um, who had been through a lot of playoff runs. Um, so I think he brought immense value to the Nuggets, um, even if his, you know, the stats weren't as eye-popping as you would have thought. Um, and because of that, you know, I think it kind of depends. His future kind of depends on, on what he's looking for. Um, you know, if he wants to stay in Denver, where he was from, uh, and continue to compete for a championship, I think the Nuggets would be happy to have him back. Yeah, um, and as you spoke about things that didn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet, he obviously was uh, the emotional leader and – just the grittier guy on the court. Cause I mean, the Nuggets really don't have any, and I mean, I say tough guys, but you know what I mean? They just, they don't really have any edgy players. And I mean, I think Jamal Murray can come off as 
as such, like an edgy a player. But uh, I, I definitely think Millsap brought that to the team, and it was evident, you know, once again, and then uh, the Clippers series. I just don't know. I don't know what Paul Millsap wants. I don't think any of us do. But, I mean, he's coming off a, a $30 million, you know, contract year. He'll probably never make that again. But, I mean, he's he's made a lot of money in his time in the NBA. Do you have a sense of what the Nuggets would be willing to pay him? Um, I mean, I, not at the moment. I think it probably depends on what other things they are looking to do in free agency with Jeremy Grant, um, their draft pick, some other – maybe they want to add a couple other role players and see what's left over. I mean, like you mentioned, they do have a lot of um, – free agents that are there on the roster, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley, guys like even, you know, guys that were not really in the rotation, but were on the team, like a Noah Vonley. Like there are a bunch of guys that the Nuggets might be looking to address or take care of or something like that. And they're going to have to make a, a couple of key decisions on which players are back and which players might be a little bit more expendable where you could replace them with somebody else in free agency. So I think it might be more of a wait and see approach depending on what they do with a guy like Jeremy Grant first and then they can come back to some of their own free agents to see, you know, who should be sticking around. Yeah, so uh, I believe Jeremy Grant has a player option, correct? For, yes, think, he does. A little over nine mil. But I, I'm, I guess me and you both are on the same page. More than likely, he's going to opt out. You think so? Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like there are there are teams with cap space. Some of those younger teams that would be interested in in signing him, and probably would even opt out regardless of that to get a raise and a long term extension. Anyways, yeah, I, I mean at this point, I think he should definitely be a starter for most NBA teams. Uh, I think is a very flexible player, and at one point, you know, we short we coined him the Kawhi stopper for a couple games, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, obviously, it's hard to stop Kawhi, but I mean, I just think he came out in those playoffs, and this was just the perfect time for him. Um, another player, uh, one that a lot of casual fans won't know, but you and I, we watched the Nuggets, you know, a lot, and you know, more you more so, but still, uh, Tory Craig. During the regular season, I liked this guy. Uh, I thought he was like a a three and D kind of player, something that every team needs. But uh, for whatever reason, and, and probably you have more uh, context to it, uh, he just didn't get a lot of burn in the playoffs. Uh, so, one, uh, what's your take on, I guess, uh, I don't want to say he's disappearing in the playoffs, but just, you know, just him not being a factor really at all, and not even like at the back of the, the rotation. What's your take on that? And, two, is there a place for him on this roster uh, at this point? I think there's a place for him on the roster. I think Coach Malone really does love Craig and just the energy and defense he brings to the table. Um, and again, during the course of a regular season, you can almost never have too much depth. So having a guy who can come in and give you, you know, even if it's just like 10 minutes of energy and defense it, during the regular season is, is, a, is a nice plus. In the playoffs, it becomes a little bit trickier um, because if he's not shooting – threes or hitting threes, which his percentages have been uh, a lot lower than you would hope, um, then teams can sort of ignore him on offense. And then you're getting on these situations where you're not really playing four on five, but in the half court, if they're really going to ignore a, a non-shooter, then you kind of are playing a four on five where guys can, you know, some teams can double Jokic in the post or try and trap Murray on the perimeter, take the ball out of his hands, maybe force a guy like Craig to make a play. Um, and that's some of the reason why he's played less in the playoffs, but he has played a good amount over the past two seasons in the playoffs 
the thing last year was the whole storyline was that he was inserted into the starting lineup in that Spurs series in replace of Will Barton. I believe it was game four in San Antonio. Craig comes out and hits six threes. And that's how they tie that series. And eventually they won it in game seven. Uh, And he played a lot in that next series against Portland because Craig is, as a forward, is actually better guarding smaller guards than he is guarding players his own size. So he, he matched up a lot with Lillard and McCollum. I think this year's playoffs, there was a little bit less of a, of a role for him maybe in that Clippers series because they did have a guy like Jeremy Grant and a guy like Paul Millsap to handle some of Kawhi and Morris and things of that nature. But I do think he has a role in the team. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, which is a rare rare thing you find is a restricted free agent um, at his age. So we'll see. Um, but again, I think it's more of a situation, like I said, they're going to look for focusing on Jeremy Grant maybe their draft pick, see what happens from that, and then come back to some of their other free agents to address those situations. Now, listeners, uh, I don't believe I said it in the intro, but uh, Eric is, as I say, he's close to the Nuggets and for a few reasons. But for one, uh, he handles their social media. So this next question, I don't want to get you in trouble, but this guy is also a free agent. And, I mean, quite possibly one of the worst brain farts I've ever seen Game two versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Runs into an invisible screen, and correct me if I'm wrong, and just gives Anthony Davis a wide open, like, wing three uh, on the left side of the court. Do the Nuggets even bother asking Pumley back? Because it does seem like they went to him heavy, right? It, it would be like in the playoffs, the rotation, it seemed that it was Jokic would play nearly the whole first quarter, Mason Plumlee would either come in like late first quarter or early second quarter, and they'd give him a burn for a while. But the problem was it seemed like the Nuggets gave up a lot of runs, you know, with that lineup. And Plumlee, yes, he's athletic. I don't think he – I think he's a pretty good passer also, especially for his position. And, I mean, I think help defense in terms of – maybe not in that situation, but like at the rim, he's – I mean, he can make blocks. He's obviously athletic, but – is and he's also 30 though now right so do you think the nuggets even bother bringing him back or do you think that they just look for like someone on the minimum uh, or just just somebody in the free agency because i believe there's a, a decent amount of centers in this free agent market that'll probably be cheaper price than what Pumley might ask yeah i think that's the key what you just said is the center market is pretty rich in terms of big men that can come in and soak up 10 to 15 minutes a game during the regular season and, you know, I also add that if you bring up a, a guy like a Paul Millsap back or potentially there are some names being floated around pick 22 that could be big men. You know, if you if you draft a big man, which, you know, I'm not saying that is the, the right way to go at pick 22. But if you draft a big man at 22, you bring back a guy like Millsap, you'll have Bo Bo on a two way contract. So obviously that limits him to 45 days, but you can use those 45 days for game days, um, you know, between those three pieces right there, Millsap, a potential draft pick, and Bowl, that can soak up your backup center and potentially your backup four minutes in the regular season anyways. Now, maybe you would still like to add a veteran center or veteran big man for minimum, um, just for insurance cases, for injuries, etc. But, you know, there is certainly a path where a guy like Millsap comes back as not really a backup four, but maybe more of a backup five that plays some of at the four. Um, because, you know, backup centers are not exactly going to, you know, 
threaten Millsap, you know, that much at his age. And he still has that awareness and that basketball IQ to keep up with them, I think, defensively. Whereas as a backup center, he can also space the floor pretty well and make backup fives keep up with him. So I think that would be an interesting way to go. Um, but again, I think it comes down to what is Plumlee's asking price compared to the other veteran big men that will be on the free agent market, like you said, for probably the minimum. Yeah, and, and you brought up Bobo. I mean, I, I forgot about him, right? I mean, he had that crazy scrimmage game where it just looked like he was going to get a lot of burn, right? And then, I mean, he's only 20 years old. You know, it's very important. I mean, every season is important, but it's, it's a playoff. So, obviously, you know, younger players with not a lot of burner are not going to get a lot of looks. But do you really see him, like, cracking into that in the rotation next year? Uh, I wouldn't say – I wouldn't say I would expect him to be a regular rotation player. Uh, one part is because of that contract. Even if even if he was, they would have to convert him to get past those 45 days. And so, that means he would have to sign – they would have to sign him on for the rest of the season is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. So, they have, yeah, they'd have to convert his contract from a two-way to – you know, a minimum, probably just an NBA standard minimum to get him past those 45 days. And I think that they, you know, they probably want to see another year of development for him, get him, get him some time in the G league, then get him, you know, a lot more NBA reps than he had last year because he didn't play at all in the NBA until the bubble, um, basically, basically those scrimmages. And so maybe they want to just throw him into some random regular season games here and there um, to keep, him kind of balancing between getting NBA competition while also getting it to develop more in a bigger role in the G League. Yeah, uh, I, I look forward to seeing him grow. And I, I honestly didn't realize that Bobo didn't play until the scrimmages. And, and that was his come out party. Because, I mean, I heard his name in the regular season as a, as a potential player of the future for them. But <laughs> to have a come out party in the NBA bubble is, is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fun, uh, this next guy, he's not necessarily a household name, but, you know, us NBA nerds have been talking about him the last couple of weeks. And that's Drew Holiday. Uh, and this is not news to me. It seems that players are, are uh, I should say, GMs are making calls on Drew Holiday. Uh, this guy is definitely a leader, a very solid player, one of the better uh, defensive guards in the league. And also he can play guard about three positions. And what do you think about the Nuggets putting their hat, uh, their names in the hat for the Drew Holiday sweepstakes? Do you have, do you think there's any substantial pieces that the Nuggets have without obviously sacrificing too much to get a player such as Drew Holiday? And would you put one of uh, the Nuggets' young budding stars in that trade to get Drew Holiday to win now? Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, I think that there there are rumors or reports, you know, from guys like Zach Lowe have said that the Nuggets will be at least reaching out. But of course, if you're a team that's somewhat competitive and you're not reaching out about Drew Holiday, then you're probably not doing, you know, as good a job as you should be doing. Um, Because this is, like you said, uh, an elite defender, uh, all kind of all defensive team level, can guard multiple positions. And then on offense, you know, one of the more plug and play guards in the league, especially when you consider his defense, because he can handle the ball as, as a point guard or just someone handling the ball creating for others but he can also play off the ball a lot um and he he actually likes playing off the ball a lot that's why he kind of made that shift to the two guard position kind of when he um the past couple of years i think it was probably like 2016 or so when he started to really make that shift um and so they had other playmakers around him so you could obviously see him fitting in with the nuggets because he would not 
have to be the primary playmaker with Nikola Jokic there. With Jamal Murray's growth in the in the bubble, he might even be a third playmaker. And if Drew Holiday is your third best playmaker or your third ball handler on the court, you're you're going to be pretty good. And then obviously defensively, you know he is elite guarding the one, the two, the three, um, and and obviously switching and just can just disrupt a, a team's offensive action. So I think almost any team that's competitive, I think all the rumors have been basically that all the competitive teams like Brooklyn and maybe Golden State will look to do something. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of trade calls for the Pelicans. And for them, it's deciding, you know, what do they like in terms of teams' packages, comparing young prospects from different teams to each other, comparing where draft picks will land from certain teams. Because, of course, teams that are trading for Holiday will not have elite draft picks unless you're the Warriors in this rare case with pick number two. So it's going to be a lot for the Pelicans from their perspective to sort out all these offers, compare these young players, and compare where these draft picks might land. So I'll say this. Um, I think Denver has an interesting piece, and I guess well, I don't want to consider him massive, but interesting player, and that's Michael Porter Jr. to put in the trade. Now, I know he's young, and he's a hot name, and, I mean, for them to trade him – could render disaster, you know, but if they want to win now, I think it's he's the best piece to trade for Drew Holiday. Uh, because Michael Porter Jr., to me, he's like a he's a flash in a pan almost. Like it's just he does things that are big, huge moments, and then you won't hear from him, or he'll just have a terrible stretch. And obviously, he's young, so that's what happens, but in the playoffs, it's magnified, right? But if you have a player like Drew Holiday, you'll know that you're getting something consistent, but. I can understand if Denver's kind of hesitant to put him in that deal, MPJ that is, for Drew Holiday. But I, I don't know. The Brooklyn Nets, they have players. But in terms of young pieces for a team like the Pelicans, that it seems that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like they think they're necessarily ready, right, to, to take that next step, especially with how they've been treating um, Zion's injury, which is probably for the better, right, to slow him down. And I think Michael, a player such as Michael Porter Jr. is more on that timeline than Drew Holiday. Although in the same breath, Drew Holiday is, is elite, a, a player that can probably play on any team and never mess up the chemistry in the locker room because he just seems like an even kill guy, you know, definitely touted as a huge leader uh, in the NBA in general, but definitely in that uh, Pelicans locker room. But, man, I, it would be fun to see the Nuggets make that big of a swing but I just don't know what it would do for their future because I think Porter Jr.'s uh, ceiling is pretty high. It's just he's just going to have to get a lot better at defense. And I know it's kind of hard for him probably because, like you said, in the postseason, he deserves more shots. And it's kind of hard to get more shots when you have players like Jamal Murray and, to a certain extent, Jokic. And then, I mean, we're not even talking about Will Barton that unfortunately missed the whole playoff run. And, and we know, like, sometimes uh, – during the season when Murray was going through his uh, cold spells, he was like the second best player on the team. So, you know, he's coming back. So it's going to be hard for Michael Porter Jr. to continue to get these reps uh, with all that going on. So I guess in short, I would love for them to make that trade for Drew Holiday just just so they can solidify themselves or Denver, that is, as a true contender in the West. Because it's – I don't want to poo-poo anything they did because I do think Jamal Murray's like an all-NBA player almost at this point. Like, I could argue that he could maybe be third team next year if he does anything close to what he did in the bubble. Probably not the three-point shot because that's kind of hard to ask from someone. But 
Um, yeah, I would love to see the Nuggets like make a risky trade, you know, to like say like, no, we're, we're not going anywhere. That wasn't just a, a fluke of a Western Conference appearance. Um, yeah, I think one of the interesting storylines about this offseason just for most teams is going to be how they balance the the desire for continuity versus the striking for a, a bigger move. Um, because, you know, uh, such a shortened offseason and probably what's going to be a very uncertain season when it's going on, um, since they're not going to be in a bubble, that might maybe make teams a little bit more cautious of making a big shake it up multiplayer trade that would, you know, not necessarily, you know, derail or hurt chemistry, but you know, when you make a trade and you involves a lot of players or you bring back an important piece, it takes time to integrate, you know, that player into the team. And there's going to be a weird shortened training camps. There may or may not be preseason games. We're not sure. Um, there might be a situation where players are signing as free agents as training camps have already started, and that would obviously be a, a pretty big disruption for for kind of chemistry. So I'm, I'm just interested to see in general, um, and it might apply to the Drew Holiday situation in terms of making a big move like that, and then also obviously his contract situation might make teams a little bit more cautious if they don't think he'll re-sign. Yeah, uh, you're probably right, man. It's It's kind of a – and this is ironic too, because Denver was kind of that continuity team heading into last uh, last season, right? I mean, they didn't really make any crazy moves. They kind of kept, for the most part, the same team that they had. And unfortunately, you know, they kind of started a little rocky, and obviously they picked it up. But I guess this would be the year where teams kind of keep their, for a lack of a better term, their guns in their holster and just stay steady. But yeah, I guess, I guess I'm kind of getting a little zany, just uh, playing too much 2K, just making all the <laughs> types of trades. I don't traded Ben Simmons and and uh, and beat off of the the Sixers a couple times, so I guess I'm just in that <laughs> fantasy NBA mode. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just something about MPJ. Like I want to like him uh, as a player. It's just, and, and you got to remember he's young. But when you're, the young players are in these situations in these playoff games and and they do these things, it's just like. You're like, okay, he's young, but still he's getting this he's getting this time in the playoffs. I want to see him do better. But at the same time, it's like the Nuggets pretty much are contenders to me. They're still contenders. Next year I'll I'll think of them as, you know, a top three or four team in the West again. And uh I don't know, I guess I want them to make a move to get over the hump. Cause I think they probably are one person away, even though maybe that one person is Will Barton, right? Because we we don't know what could have happened if they had him, but that that's sending the NBA team because there was a lot of injuries. Um, but I guess in general, what is your what is your take on MPJ? Uh, what do you see him as going forward? Do you think he can maybe be like the starting four, or is he? Because I, I don't see him coming off the bench, right? There's there's no way that he's going to come off the bench to start next season. Or am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I think actually, what we interesting and what might happen um obviously we have to see how the offseason unfolds is you know you can play mpj alongside a guy like jeremy grant and in that say in that case like who's the three who's the four doesn't really matter you can just have jeremy grant play guard the best opposing forward um and then obviously on offense it'll it'll figure itself out um but mpj you know listen this is a this is a 610 guy he can shoot uh, over 40 percent from three he can shoot over guys because of his height um, really smooth looking jumper. 
Uh, I think an under uh, under discussed aspect of his game is just he's an elite rebounder. Um, this guy can like you know Jeremy Grant. One of his flaws or his kind of areas for improvement is his rebounding. But if you put him in Jeremy Grant, that is between a guy like Jokic and Porter, those two guys will take care of the rebounding, um, which would be nice. And and Murray can obviously chip in with there as well. So I think. His rebounding ability is is a big aspect of his game, especially defensively, being able to come in there and, and secure a defensive rebound to end uh, the opposing team's possession. And then on the offensive glass, he can he can generate second chance points for the team when he's not you know being more of a, a floor spacer. Um, he's got elite offensive potential um, as a play finisher. You know, he and Jokic started to get some chemistry towards the kind of February or in March. And then obviously in the restart again, where MPJ as a cutter is, you know, not unstoppable, but it's, it's pretty close because it's a six ten guy, you know, cutting to the rim. Um, so I think that that's going to be a key for, for the next season is that chemistry continuing to develop because obviously everyone has to play around Jokic because he is the, still the elite initiator. Um, but MPJ can be, an elite play finisher, uh, which, you know, the, the Nuggets need shooting. They need guys who can finish around the rim. Um, and so I think that is probably what they project him to be. Now, his role, how many shots, that's all going to get figured out. And through the course of the regular season, I do think there will be enough shots for everybody. Um, but that is that is something to figure out. And then, of course, the defensive end is also where to figure it out, both for him, but also for the team to figure out how they can be elite defensively you know, if he's playing 30 minutes a game, you know, every night. So a lot to figure out, but I think that the team, you know, really views his potential as this guy, you know, can we trade him for maybe a potential rental of Drew Holiday? Probably not. But I, th- I think that they're excited to see what a full real season can can look like with Porter integrated with the team. Yeah, I mean, because during the regular season, you know, there was a lot of clamoring for, hey, how come he's not playing? How come he's not playing? And uh, if I remember correctly, I, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he was dealing with an injury of some sort. Because, I mean, he's been – I don't want to say he's been hampered with injuries, but it seems like ever since he got drafted, uh, he was he was, he was was dealing with something. So uh, it's just – I don't know. It's just nice to see such confidence from a guy despite everything working against him. And by that, I mean by injuries and, and just not getting to play a lot. But when he does play, no matter what he does – even if he doesn't like, he's not the one, you know, that sees the moment. But he, at the same time, he's the one that's like relishing in the moment. Like he's not scared. It, I've never seen him in a, a final seconds of the game scared for anything. He's looking for his shots. There was that game, I believe, against the Clippers in the playoffs where it was the last few minutes. You know, he got some clutch free throws. I believe he got a clutch rebound. Almost turned that ball over, but he still got the rebound on that. And he's just a confident guy, man. And I don't like to go back to the contracts, but it's just something you have to to bring up that this guy is only what making six, eleven million, possibly the next three seasons, like two seasons. So that's a great deal for a player with uh, such a high ceiling. Um, but moving forward, for a guy that at once upon a time I thought was a a pretty solid, good player, but for whatever reason, his shooting's been trailing off the last few years. Uh, but defensively, I think he is one of the better pieces on uh, the Nuggets. Gary Harris, and his contract is just not looking that great. Uh, maybe for him, right? But not for the Nuggets moving forward with what, considering what he's giving them uh, production-wise. Uh, 
what do you see his role as, or do you see him maybe being a, a, a I guess, a addition, an addition to a trade? I think um, his role, yeah, Harris is Harris had an interesting season. I think um, his had probably the best defensive season of his career. Um, you know, didn't really get much of the recognition for. I think he only got like one, maybe one second team like all defensive team vote, maybe something very Travel small like that. It. Yeah. It, it was pretty weird. Um, he, he really did step it up defensively. And he, even in the playoffs, you saw it, he comes back for the final two games of the Utah series. And he was clearly probably not at a hundred percent at that point, but he made some stellar defensive plays, including in that game seven against Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think with two steals over the final, like couple of minutes, especially that, that one on that wild scramble play. Um, so he, he is not, elite defensively I wouldn't say he is at a Drew Holiday level of defense um, but he's probably like a, a tier or so below that um, he can't probably can't scale as well guarding multiple positions uh, as well as Holiday can with his strength um, but he can certainly guard ones and twos at a really really high level and obviously that's what the Nuggets need uh, whether especially in their starting five I mean someone to guard the best opposing team's backcourt player um and this season, it was basically Harris and Millsap kind of anchoring the defense as much as they could um, with other guys chipping in. So they, they probably, if they don't make any major changes, that would probably be the case again, where maybe Jeremy Grant is probably the starting for helping out defensively with Harris um, to try and see you know what they can do there. So I think his role would be similar next season, um, obviously, you know, with the caveat that we don't know what happened in the draft, if they maybe draft a backcourt player or in free agency, maybe they sign another two guard or something like that. So we'll have to see about that. And and Will Barton can obviously play the two guard position as well. And he's a solid defender. So I think his role would project to be pretty similar depending on the off season, if they would made a a major move, but I think if they have a relatively straightforward off season, I think it would be a relatively similar role for Harris. Yeah. I, uh, I just looking at this Nuggets roster and the possibilities that they have, like with just switching players around and just I don't know, it's it's endless possibilities because Jeremy Grant, very flexible. Um Gary Harris, as you can say, can guard a few positions. And Will Barton just seems like you could just plug him in almost anywhere and he'll work. Like he's a con- uh, consistent pro. Um maybe maybe they just use Gary Harris like gets his confidence back comes off the bench, you know, maybe guards some of the better players for a decent amount of the game, or at least two guards, maybe point guards, and, and gets his confidence back. Because it's just – it was almost like um, like in uh, – what is it, what is that, the fairy tale where the carriage turns into a pumpkin. That's what Gary Harris reminded me of. I mean, he was just so like, – it seemed like he was on the up and up a few years ago, and then just the last two seasons he's just been down. And as you mentioned, he kind of – Unfortunately, joined the Nuggets late in the bubble uh, due to injury, and uh, it kind of it just made him look worse, right? Because he was just coming off that injury, and no no telling what else he was going through, you know, you know during the pandemic. Um, but I just I don't know, man. It's, it's just weird to me when I see NBA players just almost just fall off a cliff, you know, production wise. Because it's like, well, what happened? It just doesn't happen overnight, does it? So I don't know. I just I just hope he gets back to. Uh, at least being a a very solid player, I don't think he was ever a great player, but uh, I don't know. It just sort of there was times in the playoffs where he would touch the ball and something bad would happen. Like you turn it over, you make the brain fart plays, but defensively, 
there wasn't a there wasn't many moments where I was like, oh my god, he missed a rotation or oh he can't keep the guy in front of him. I, that's the one shining um, key for him is just at least making set shot threes, like corner threes. Just get your confidence up because with that contract and the way he played, I just even if the Nuggets were looking to to get, move him out of there, they would probably have to give up something in return. Um, but you spoke about the draft, man. I really don't – I haven't heard anything about what the Nuggets are going to do. As you and I both know, the Nuggets have an interesting history of trading um, down. But at this point, I don't see – I mean, they're, I think they're what, they have the 22nd pick, right? Yeah. And that's is that that's not theirs. Is that some from someone else? That's from yeah. It was team? from it was from Houston in that four mega four team deal. Um, that okay. was the Covington Capella. There trade. we go. See, I'm still that. It still takes me forever to realize who was all involved in that deal. Because <laughs> the main takeaway to me was Capella and Covington. Right. That was that was the main takeaway from from a lot of people. But uh, yeah, I just have not heard about any names. And I will be honest, I'm not well-versed in uh, the draft, being that I really don't watch college ball, and I just listen to podcasts of people that do. And it's, there's not really a lot of talks of what the Nuggets are going to do. Have you heard of anything about like what players are thinking about taking or even if maybe they're thinking about trading the pick away for something else? Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with you. I'm not, a, I'm not a draft expert. This is the time of year when we all listen to those podcasts from people who yeah. are the draft experts to catch up and figure out who these prospects are. Uh, we're actually on our social channels and on nuggets.com. We're starting to, to throw out some draft profiles of players who, from what we've seen, have been mocked to the, to the Nuggets in various mock drafts from the actual experts. Um, so we're not pretending to be experts. We're just following along with what they have to say. And for the most part, from what I've seen from other mock drafts and what I would think would be the case, I think the Nuggets are really flexible. Um, I think that they'll get to pick 22 uh, and just take a look at who's around. If there's a 3 and D wing, a guy like a Desmond Bain, who maybe he's still there at 22, though his stock seems to be rising, if you ask Twitter. Um, but if he's there at 22, a 3 and D wing, they probably would go with that kind of player. If maybe they get to 22 and more of a project like uh, Pokushevsky is still around, another Twitter darling, they might take a, a more of a kind of stash prospect like him, have him take a year to develop without playing in the NBA, and then almost like what they've done with Bull and MPJ the past two years. And you know, you might say, oh, well, they don't need another guy like that. They've got MPJ, they've got Bull, they have Nicola. Like they don't need another kind of unicorn. But when you get to pick 22 in the draft, if a player like that who you think if has high upside potential, you might as well draft them. So I think that if, if a guy like Poku is there with maybe a high ceiling but potentially a low floor, they might draft that type of player. Maybe a big man is available at pick 22. Uh, I've seen some people like Isaiah Stewart be available at that range. They might look for front court depth. So I think that the Nuggets are kind of so – the Nuggets are pretty solid at all at the backcourt the wing and, and the big man position that they can almost be very flexible and just take a, take a seat back, enjoy the night until pick 22 comes around and see what, what is available. And this, at least from what I'm hearing from the, the professionals, right? The people that actually put their ear to the streets and, and, and did their homework. It seems like this draft is the best one to have a late pick. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, just standout talents, like at the top three, top five. Because at, at this point, after the top three, which honestly I've seen some crazy big boards, 
But after the top three, it doesn't even matter. Like if people just pick or just slot in any name because there's just there's really no other standouts. But it seems like there's a lot of really solid role players in this draft. Um, so maybe this is the perfect opportunity for the Nuggets to get another diamond in the dirt. And as you said, I mean, at this point, who cares about what position they play? Just get the best player because the Nuggets are already pretty flexible with what they have. I'm just uh, I'm just curious to see if they trade that pick for another player. Um, I just I just honestly don't see who that would be because uh, I I don't even know what to gauge the value of these draft picks anymore because I've seen people float out the 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 top the the second pick for the Warriors and have to uh, pair it with Wiggins for something. So it's kind of like I don't even know what the what the gauge is, right? Like I. At this point, this draft just seems so weak that it's hard to kind of get uh, a grasp on it. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this draft. I usually don't really uh, care about it, but I think there is a lot of surprises that are going to be uh, had this uh, this year. Maybe some Anthony Bennett-like decisions for a front office in that top three. And who knows, maybe we get another Kawhi Leonard, like, you know, late lottery guy that ends up being – like a great player or at least an all-star level, uh, all-star level player. Yeah. I think um, two things I'll say about the draft. I think I've kind of heard the same thing where it might not be really exciting in the top end, but it could be a draft with, which with a good amount of quality depth. So being, you know, maybe right after the lottery or around anywhere from like 15 to 25 might be pretty good for some teams. Obviously, if you're drafting later in the 20s of the draft, you're already a, a good or maybe a contending team. Um, so, you know, maybe you are looking for a specific skill set or just trying to take the best player available. Because, you know, one thing to remind, I think, a lot of people is that rookies don't usually contribute positively in their first year anyways, which is why another reason why I'm a much bigger proponent of taking the best player available um, than a, someone with a limited ceiling that might be like 22 or 23. Unless like you know, you see something differently or you do, they just project to be so, to fit so well in your system. Rookies are so often negative contributors in their first year because they're rookies and they're adjusting to the NBA that it almost makes sense to draft someone with higher potential and give them a year to adjust or play in whatever league they're currently in. If they're overseas, like Pokushevsky, um, grow their body, et cetera, et cetera. So I think those are two interesting aspects to watch um, the depth of the draft and um, which teams towards the end of the draft will focus on drafting for potential over maybe players who project to be more, you know, ready on day one. And the value of draft picks is also really interesting. It's, I think it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. I think you saw something similar where the nuggets, this was obviously in July after the 2019 draft, they traded a first round pick that most teams, uh, most people would expect would be in the twenties for Jeremy Grant. Um, now that was a little bit different because the Thunder were in pure sell mode at that point because they had traded um, Westbrook and George, but uh, or actually they traded George first, then Grant. Um, but you know, could some team look at pick twenty two and, and see that maybe the, they like a player there? Maybe if Pogushevsky is still on the board, there's a team that's more of a rebuilding that really would like to take a chance on him and maybe sees that pick as something to trade for a veteran or trade a veteran for, but. You know, in 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 the grand scheme of things, I don't think picks in the twenties have that much value. So we'll 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 have to see what teams how they view the depth of this draft. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to be tuning in because um, I I just think it's just a fun factor because and just after the top three, 
especially with reports of supposedly like ball, um, Lamella ball following, following, uh, following, I should say, uh, down the draft boards for a lot of teams, allegedly, right? But after the top three, it's just like I've seen players such as like Isaac Okoro, which I think is going to at least has the build to be a, a really solid pro, right? You know, uh, a wing defender, you know, decent on offense. But I, I just don't know what to, what to think, man. And I think one of these teams is going to think too hard and they're going to miss on a player because, like you said, instead of just worrying about the best player, they want to worry about fit. And it's like, well, you just get the best players and you can kind of figure that out in the later end. But uh, before we get out of here, Erica, I want to give you an opportunity to plug what you got going on. I mean, I'm telling you all guys, this guy went from, once again, riding on 16 wins a ring, creating his own website. And Eric, I don't know how old you are, but you seem like a pretty young cat. I mean, I'm 30. doesn't make me old as hell, but still, you seem like a young guy that's got his head on his shoulders, and I've always admired that. So once again, I'm proud of you. I don't know if I've ever told you, but I am proud of you that you got this position to uh, represent the Nuggets in this way. Um, but uh, just tell us what you got going on. Yeah, uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter is at Eric Spiros NBA. Obviously, uh, you can follow the Nuggets accounts. Uh, that's where I do a lot of the, the work, uh, you know, more behind the scenes. And then my, my written work you'll find on the Nuggets website, nuggets.com. Um, so, you know, we're doing some draft content now. When the free agency and offseason happens, we'll be doing some analysis on some of the players of the Nuggets maybe sign or, or draft or maybe trade for it. We'll see. Um, but all the written content will be on Nuggets.com, and you can follow my personal Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. Yes, y'all do that. Uh, this man is – I remember back in the day where you were heavy on the Rockets, and now it's, it's just it's just fun <laughs> seeing you on a whole other team. So, you know, evolution, y'all, evolution. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you once again, Eric, for coming. I know you're a busy guy, and I, I just wanted to – try to pick your brain on the nuggets. Cause I think you were the best person to do so, especially on my timeline. Um, but thanks again, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, everyone be safe, continue to wear your mask and thank goodness we have a new president. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs>